Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. It's the Neverland Podcast, episode 86. Welcome to Neverland. Take a start of the right and start until morning. Hey, how are you doing? Welcome back to the Neverland Podcast. And hey, by the way, if you got your pixie in your pocket, take that pixie out of your pocket, sprinkle some of that pixie dust. We're going off to Neverland. Hey, I am your pan. I am Jeremy, the spider pan, the pan here in the Neverland Podcast. We're going to have a lot of fun today. I have a great conversation to share with you with a couple of friends of mine here, a couple of listeners, uh, and we're going to talk about Marvel, DC, and uh, branch into a little bit. Yes, it is Comics 103. It is your third class on learning a little bit of the history of comics, uh, you know, the social effects and things like that. This was a lot of fun. You're going to enjoy it. Plus, we do have an update for the Neverland Disney Battle of the Bands or Battle of the Disney Bands, uh, there have been some amazing changes to the lineup of the bands. We have had some hirings and firings and things like that, and I'm going to tell you all about it later. But first, let's go ahead and just dive right into my conversation. To Disney and beyond! Okay, Neverlanders, it's time for comics, well, now we're up to 103 because this is the third time we've just sat around and talked a little bit about the history of comics and the love of comics and stuff like that. We're going to nerd out big time. Which is hard to imagine. Hard to imagine around here. <laughs> so, so, okay. Of course, I never go alone when I'm going to geek out this much because it gets even geekier the more of us we get together. So, of course, I've brought in Lost Boy Philip, who hasn't been on the show, but, uh, golly, since last season. Yeah. My goodness. <laughs> and I even have your picture up there as a potential co-host, but he's really busy this, these days, so I never hardly get to talk to him anymore. Uh, sorry. So, and I'm back for the third time. He's going to be coming a regular, Mr. Eric Warren. Howdy. Back again. All so, right. we're here becoming a regular. Uh, we were hoping to get uh, our good buddy Rick Myers on here again, but uh, he has been feeling under the weather. Uh, so, hopefully he's feeling better. And uh, so, this is for you, Rick. Uh, so, hopefully he's listening. <laughs> so... Alrighty. Well, last time 
Rick and I were talking about some of the social commentary that they made in comics uh, with dealing with racism and drugs and things like that and how they had to tiptoe around the comics code and uh, how DC finally decided to kick in the door one day and showed uh, Green Arrow's ward Speedy shooting up. And uh, what was the line in there, Eric? My ward Speedy is a junkie. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> I just love the way you deliver that. It's great. <laughs> oh, no, so, Stephen Amell, but... Uh, well, sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I must become something different, and you must not be a junkie. I don't know. <laughs> I, I can't do a good Stephen Amell, but... <laughs> I have, he's become something else. So... <laughs> Of course, right now his ward Speedy uh, seems like they're moving forward with his sister in the next season of Arrow to be Speedy, uh-huh. and she was a druggie in the first season, so it kind of, kind of yeah, it's like they're getting around to it. They, they oftentimes call him Arson, you know. Nowadays, Arson was what they, Speedy became. Oh, you mean own. Arsenal? Our Arsenal, that's right. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. who's Arson? That's right, Arsenal. Excuse <laughs> me, I misspoke. Yeah, because he became the Red Arrow and then became Arsenal. And, yeah, uh, I kind of hope he comes back, but uh, I guess there was some sort of contractual things. Why he had to leave, and so he's supposed to have been in his last episode. But I really kind of I liked him. He was, just as they were kind of developing him and making him a good teammate, uh, he's gone. Although I'm here, of course we're talking about TV now. But apparently, um, Diggle is getting a mask and a character now. We don't know mm-hmm. who he's going to be called. You know, I think they're just inventing something. He joked apparently. Fine, a, you know. He joked at a, some convention that he is known as Black Driver. because <laughs> <laughs> he was the driver, you know. Truth is, this show is far from the comic, or at least what it used to be. Yeah. And I don't well, know it's now, but that changing being said, now. He's but coming I, but out as Green I, Arrow. I do like it. I do like yeah. it. I mean, it's, it's they. It, it's taking me a couple. Of, I got to admit, if it weren't for the Flash appearing on the show and changing the tone of it, I don't mm-hmm. know that I'd even be watching it now. But whenever the Flash showed up, they gave him a mask. I mean, it was Barry Allen that gave him the mask. Yeah, you know? it yeah. really to me changed <laughs> everything. Yeah, and it's changing more this season. I, I can't wait to see the effects of the. Season finale, The Flash. I have a feeling that's going to alter the reality. And they got spin uh, and all that coming. You know? Yes. Oh, I'm so excited. Jake Eric's on his way. and mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. This is going to be so cool. So, <laughs> so yes, very exciting. But <laughs> we're, we're talking TV here. Uh, but uh, to get back into, uh, let's talk a little bit about the 80s of comics. Uh, now, of course, we did mention with Rick last time, of the uh, they had started doing the Infinite Crisis and all that stuff. And... I think wasn't there an identity crisis, but there's so many yes. different infinity crisis and well, that, the, the DC staple. Yeah, identity crisis came later on in the early millennium, which I enjoy, like 2004 or whatever. Ah. But it, the infinity crisis, what had happened was in the 50s and 60s and 70s, they had so many different universes, especially in the early 80s, that it got to be downright ridiculous that yeah. you didn't. And know we're talking DC. DC now, here, yeah, DC has so many universes you couldn't hardly keep up with anything. And, uh, but that being said, they decided to get rid of that and bring it all into one universe to take their favorite parts of all these universes and combine it. That, and, and I kind of enjoyed that. And then throughout my teenage days, we were still in that. And then a few, a few years back, they decided to blow it up into two bazillion, you know, universes, <laughs> again, which I again. think kind of was a little too much, but you know what yeah. you gotta do. But this saw a relaunch of Superman. Uh, I did actually find it at the, a local library. Uh, the rebid, relaunching of Superman, and they made some changes. They had his father remaining alive, and what I what I really enjoyed is they gave him a, a thought process to starting to wear the glasses because when he, he before when he starts kind of working a little bit as Superman, mainly he's just like you know 
I can do something about this. Here, these people are in danger. Let me do something. And he's trying to move quick and say, okay, well, hopefully no one's going to get a good look at me. And he realized that, you know, his face is just out there. And if somebody's going to recognize him, so he starts purposely, okay, well, I'm going to wear these glasses. And, you know, that'll help. And then just make sure nobody really gets a good look at me as Superman. So and I kind of like that. It kind of helped establish the uh, the disguise. I think a lot of that, too, was because how Christopher Reeve handled the role in the 70s. Oh, so good. Early, uh, late 70s, early 80s. Which, in my opinion, was what made it a lot more "quote unquote" believable in mm-hmm. the sense that he had ha- different hairdo, different glasses, and he acted com- and he talked completely different than Superman. Which, yeah, it was still cornball. We probably know he was, but if you didn't spend a lot of time with Superman, only saw him from afar, but you spent a lot of time with Clark, you wouldn't think, you know, hey, yeah, this is the same guy. <laughs> so, what were you reading in the eighties, Eric? You know, I, I actually was reading Superman. That was, uh, uh-huh. you know, thanks to uh, Christopher Reeve and the Superman movies. Yes. That's what I loved, and that's what I uh, had. Um, for the most part, everything I read was post-crisis. Um, you know, speaking of the glasses, I remember one of those uh, John Byrne issues where you had Lex Luthor sitting back in a chair looking at this wall-sized screen with a dot matrix full picture of superman and clark kent uh side by side you know kind of like how uh we'd see peter parker with half of his face covered with the spider-man mask mm-hmm. yeah this was you know clark kent with the glasses on one side superman on the other side and the gist of that story was lex luther going no i can't believe that superman is clark kent nobody with the power of superman would humble themselves that much to go around like a regular person. <laughs> I like he's thinking the way Lex would think. Yeah. Lex so arrogant he wouldn't do that. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the yeah, I, I love the stories from that era. There was a um, the first post crisis appearance of Mr. Mix Mixie's Pitalik was oh, yeah. I think the, Yeah, what, that was the first book that I bought of Superman. Oh. <laughs> and you know, it started off with uh you know, this, this big husky guy walking through the streets of Metropolis and things magically happening around him. And he walked into the offices of the Daily Planet and turned Lois Lane into a mannequin. And at that point, I'm hooked. I'm going, what in the world is going on here? How can this happen? And you know, to my uh, 11-year-old mind at the time, I was just like, wow, what is happening and and i was hooked from that point on i mean i went back looked at the titano stuff uh looked at all of the bilge rocks and yeah i i just i just that that was a great time for me just just latching on to superman and uh you know my brother's uh spider-man was their guy but uh, for me it was always superman oh yeah superman has always been my favorite him him and batman always have and always will be my very favorites when I was when little, I watched a lot of the Adam West because they used to show the movie every three or four months. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Three or four months to us back then. I mean, I was three or four. So three or four months seemed like a long time. Now it's not that long. But but either way, I used to watch that and the Superman movies and the cartoons and Super Friends. Yes. Yeah, Super Friends. Mm-hmm. Which, would, which in the early 80s would become superpowers to sell Power toys, which right. was great. You know. I remember one of the great things, speaking of Clark Kent and all that, I love, I love like 1984. 84. If you bought from Kenner, Kenner Toys the Super Powers toy line, you got five of them with five fruits of purchase. You could get Clark Kent. For free. <laughs> yeah. And look, look, Clark Kent has superpowers just like Superman. 
Yeah, they had that commercial with the the actor who was playing Jimmy Olsen's like, Clark? Superman? Superman? (laughs) And he freaks out as the elevator closes. (laughs) (laughs) I'll have to try to find that commercial and share the audio with the audience now if I find it. You know, speaking of superpowers and Crisis on Infinite Earths, you know, in preparation for us chatting here today, I went ahead and I pulled out a lot of my old comics from the 80s. I don't have that many, and I only had like three issues of Crisis uh, on hand. But the back issue of one of these has got Superman, uh, the, the, the Kenner figure right there. Raising his fists up and down. Inside, there's an article or a, an ad for the Super Friends. As I look at my Secret War stuff, there's no ads for the Mattel toys. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, true, I've only got a couple issues of Secret Wars, but, you know, that was the whole reason Secret Wars began was uh, yeah, M- yeah. Mattel saw what was happening with Kenner and mm-hmm. with the Super Friends, and they wanted to do something uh, with Marvel to, yeah, to get yeah. their stuff. Do you, remember Do you remember the shield that you could that, get that it, would have kind of like, the, I guess you want to call it magic, but you there's these little these, circle uh, pieces uh, of, I guess, yes. cardboard, but it had pictures, pictures of Hulk or whatever. And when you turn it to the side, you suddenly I, see Hulk, you know, Hulk, raising Hulk. his arms up. You know, it's almost like Hulk. animated. You go from exactly. one to another. And they'd and come with the shield. They'd, shield. they'd come this little shield type shield. thing. Like it, the, the pictures wouldn't work unless you put them in that shield. Mm-hmm. And they'd make and a make, move. And that would come, every character came with one. About, about Wolverine, Wolverine, I remember that's the first Wolverine toy they made that obviously. Oh, yeah. And it had these claws, claws, but what you did is you attached them to his hand. They came with little, you know, clips on there and they attached it in the hand, and that was always a lot of fun. Not knowing the character, I spent most of my time having it on his feet because I didn't know anything. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. In the 80s, I wasn't even familiar with Wolverine. My, my major areas of comics for the 80s was Superman movies. The Batman 60s series that was being shown like right after He-Man every day. Until 89. Mm-hmm. Until 89, yep. And then uh, Spider-Man and his amazing friends. And uh, I, you know, probably through the 80s, I guess, Superman would have been my number one. Because he's the icon. You, you know, he's yeah. the hero you would always look up to. You know, he, could, he, would, he could do anything. But Spider-Man, uh, as anyone who wants to listen to Techno Retro Dads actually airing this week, you'll hear how I became more of a Spider-Man fan uh, and the lessons I learned from that. Um <clears throat> But like you know, Marvel, as you were saying, you know, they kind of tried to follow up with what DC did with the Secret Wars. And now the first Secret Wars was, of course, the this character, the Beyonder, who was from a completely different universe where the only thing that existed was him. And he wanted to learn about our universe after he saw through like a pinhole, you know, and in, in, huh. in, in everything. He wanted to learn about this other place. And so he sets up this battle world and he grabs a bunch of Marvel heroes and a bunch of villains, puts them on battle world just to kind of see what happens. Uh, eventually, though, Doctor Doom realizes the Beyonder has all this power, and Doctor Doom finds a way to siphon and steal the Beyonder's powers, and it becomes this whole epic of stopping Doctor Doom from total ooh, causing total destructions. And I believe, uh, I might be wrong on this, but I think it's the first Secret Wars that Spider-Man had not had his costume and ended up with the alien material that became the black suit. I believe it was the first Secret Wars. That's uh, correct. Uh, but on the second Secret Wars, I actually did find in the library. I want to read the original Secret Wars. Um, I did see the Marvel 90s uh, Spider-Man series did kind of do a version of the yeah. Secret Wars, which was really fun. Uh, but the Secret Wars 2 comic, I actually did find a collection of that at the library here locally. And what it is is the Beyonder uh, realizing he didn't learn really anything from setting up the battle. So he thought, oh, I need to come to this Earth and... You know, try to become an Earthling for a while and and see if I can work amongst that. Of course, when the Beyonder shows up, 
Uh, his power registers everywhere, and like the X Men freak out, the Fantastic Four freak out. Everybody's like, "Oh my gosh, we got to stop him!" Uh, but he eventually manages to blend in. He turns himself kind of more complete human. He stops using his powers, and he he learns from a guy. Uh, I, I cannot think of the guy's name now. He had stripes on his face, and he's 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 like a molecule man. He can yeah, think molecule man. But he can control these molecules, and he tells the Beyonders as well. You know, the the if you want to learn something, the best teacher is experience. So that's basically the Secret Wars two was just the Beyonder going and doing all these different things, even coming going through the criminal underworld, building all this great wealth, and doing all this stuff just so he can experience stuff. But yet, you know, I, three quarters of the way through, I'm thinking, are they trying to make some sort of point of this? Because really, this is lame. And, but it was interconnected with a lot of other characters. And when you get to the end of each issue, it says this, this these particular events will be carried if you read these Spider-Man comics or these X-Men comics or whatever. And I thought, okay, well, that's probably where the interesting stuff is because the main nine books, or I think it was nine of them, of The yeah. Secret Wars 2 were just stupid. I, I could not finish it. I have put that away and th- decided, you know what? Oh, look, I found another book that's celebrating 75 years of the Joker. I think I'd rather read that. Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice. Exactly. <laughs> so I, I don't think Marvel was doing as as good with these. I mean, granted, the Secret Wars seems like it's being excited, but I know DC was able to come back and have another infinite crisis and keep coming back to the table. And I don't know, in my mind, I think I've read some of those, if I remember correctly, and it seemed DC was actually better at doing these big events than Marvel was. Well, But that's just my opinion. Somebody might say I'm crazy for that. Oh, well, everybody's bound to their own opinion. Yeah. The fact is, <laughs> I love both DC and Marvel. I do, and I'm more of a Marvel guy. And I'm more of a DC guy. Well, that's okay. But He's true. a little country. I'm a little bit rock and roll. That's right. That's right. <laughs> And I'm over here listening to Donnie Emery. There you go. That's it. I like them all. Truth, truth be told, is I love both. I love Marvel very much. And uh, if it, I've said it a hundred times before, if it weren't for DC, that Marvel never would have become what it was. But if it weren't for Marvel, DC never would have became what it was. Because yeah. yes, DC launched it all with Superman, Batman, all that way back in the day. And then, when, but when Stan Lee came around, well, when Stan Lee was turning forty and about to retire, they decided because with his wife's suggestion. <laughs> That yeah. he make the best comic that he wants to do. Yeah, and it was Fantastic the final Four. issue of Amazing Fantasy That's too. Right. That Fantastic he really Four. pulled the trigger too with the Fantastic yeah. Four. Yeah, That's and then right. Amazing Fantasy fifteen, the final issue of a book. He's like, you know what? I'm finally going to do that character that I've always wanted to do with a teenage hero, mm-hmm. but they tell me he's not going to work. Yeah, and and made the Hulk and and the Hulk yes. was made not, a monster. And the that Hulk, was a hero. Hulk was not a hit at all for the first right. like I don't know how many times he tried to release him. And people did not like him. That's why he was out of Avengers after like three issues, zero or four issues. He just could not become a hit. And it wasn't until finally he put him into a, a comic book that was already going, and it was already had six or seven issues, and he tried to sneak him in. <laughs> and that eventually became Hulk's book, but that uh, it took for a long time for people to warm up to him. Yeah. Yeah, he's a combination of Frankenstein and Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Yeah. He's a monster, that he, but he's a hero. Yeah. And I guess it was it was kind of maybe weird for people to embrace that concept, you know, that this like big it, monster thing. Yes, yeah, it's it's, it's mm-hmm. really cool. Well, speaking of the Hulk, the '80s were a really interesting time for everything that was happening around the Hulk. Coming out of the '70s, you had the Universal TV show yeah, with yeah. Uh, you, know, uh, you had uh, the Savage She Hulk, which was Stanley's first original creation in like ten years, nineteen eighty. <laughs> <laughs> She-Hulk, yeah. Yeah, She-Hulk became a member of the Fantastic Four coming out of Secret Wars. Um, But also in the 80s, you had Peter David starting his run with the Hulk and exploring this, you know, all of these other facets and other sides to 
what made the Hulk. Um, they initially changed him back to gray, and he became the Mr. Fix-It mob enforcer yeah, in Las that, Vegas. That, I, I still have a lot of those. And, you know, you get the uh, – well, you've got the first really big uh, uh, Todd McFarlane issue with uh, the Hulk fighting Wolverine. Yeah. Yeah. You've got, um, you know, there's there's a lot of stuff happening with the Hulk in the '80s that I, I just found really interesting. And, and for um, a short while, they even had uh, Hulk. This is when he was in his Mister Fixit days. Hulk and Ghost Rider, and um, let's see, who was the other ones? Spider Man and uh, yes. Wolverine. Wolverine. They became the new Fantastic Four for a short while there. Okay, now see, I didn't know this. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. It, <laughs> I it, would yeah. read that. It was fun because it was such a weird. Uh, combination of characters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but Hulk did, and then then they had that battle, and I still have this issue where Hulk was fighting himself in his mind. Oh yeah, and, it, and uh, you had Bruce Banner sitting in this trench, basically that the Hulks, the Gray Hulk and the Green Hulk, had uh, basically made by falling into it uh, to the ground. Wow. And he's in a trench watching that his two personalities fight, and what ended up happening was they ended up combining them. And so when the 90s began, you had a combination of the Gray and the Green Hulk, which I actually really liked because it had the yeah. best of both worlds. Yeah. And That's to, where you got a short little, little short mop top on yeah. top, you know? <laughs> to help explain this, so for anyone who's not familiar with the Gray Hulk, is that was the like the super intelligent version of a Hulk. Yeah. He was still strong and everything. Not quite as strong as the Green Hulk, mm-hmm. but he was smarter. He had he had the brains of Bruce Banner. And, the, and Hulk had only been gray in the very first issue of the Hulk because they yeah. could not get the coloring right. So right. they ended up making him green, which, of course, we'll always like the green better because that's what we right. used to. But he went from having blue pants with gray skin to being green with purple pants. Yeah. <laughs> and there must be something about gamma radiation that makes your pants turn purple. Something Actually, it is. <laughs> that, that was a no prize that was uh, handed out. Uh, it was determined that... The radiation exuded in the change from Bruce Banner to the Hulk physically affected the color as well as the size of his pants. Huh. <laughs> Even the size gives you the keeping the Comics Code Authority very happy. Yeah, that's right. Well, sometimes you got to do what you got to do, you know. You got to do. <laughs> Uh, but uh, we can't talk about the '80s with all, and especially in Marvel, without talking about the run of Chris Claremont on the X Men. I mean, oh, this had been a book that had struggled when it had first come out, and they'd mm-hmm. actually stopped continuity and then brought it back with the giant size X Men, where where they introduced yep. uh, Colossus and brought Wolverine into the team, mm-hmm. uh, Storm Nightcrawler. and Nightcrawler, mm-hmm. and uh, so suddenly you got all these new Some characters in the X Men that kind of got it going. But then Chris Claremont just. He did this. I, I haven't gotten to read everything he wrote, but my goodness, he decided at one point, you know what? Let's take away Storm's powers. So probably the most powerful of the X Men because she controls the weather itself. Suddenly, she loses her powers and gets a mohawk. You know, he yeah. he messed with the characters, but not not take it so far to where I guess the average reader wasn't you know intrigued to keep going. And then he had crazy ideas like uh, you know Phoenix, uh, the yep. Phoenix Saga, the Dark <laughs> Phoenix Saga. And which I do have a a book collection of the Dark Phoenix Saga, and it is so good. Uh, and he he added such a drama, which is something. Well, it's good if you're not a mushroom person. The what? Well, I was saying it, it's good if you're not a mushroom person. <laughs> because it's so creepy. Because 
Well, no, because the uh, phoenix destroyed a planet comprised oh, of mushroom people. Right, right. <laughs> I was like, you lost me at the mushroom. I was like, what's he talking about mushrooms for? <laughs> Is he having one? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. Which, of course, causes the Shi'ar to get very upset because she wiped out an entire planet populated by mushrooms. <laughs> so, But uh, it's, but the, the drama going on was very grown up. It was it wasn't very comic booky, you know, it wasn't ha I shall fight the villain. It was very human underneath the surface of some of the things going on in those comics. And it was just amazing. Where I think X Men was Ooh. brilliant was every teenager well, I am I'm putting everyone together, I shouldn't yeah. do that. But most teenagers feel different and strange because yeah. they're going through changes that they're not used to. They don't feel right. And so, growing hair in funny places. Yeah, all these <laughs> things, you know, natural things, but you're almost half embarrassed of as a kid, and all that kind of stuff. That so, when you're reading that, at least this is what it was for me. It made me feel good to know that you weren't alone. Right. Everybody pretty much feels weird at some point in their life, and uh, you know, and I still feel that way sometimes, yeah. but I'm okay with it. <laughs> and the most famous bit of Wolverine ever uh, ever written was, of course, at a one point uh, at the beginning of the Dark Phoenix saga, before she's completely been changed by the Hellfire Club, is uh, the X-Men have been kind of lured into a trap. And uh, I forgot the character's name. Uh, Sebastian Shaw, I believe, oh, yeah. who was able to cause Wolverine's density to increase. And he falls through all the floors and down into a sewer and is presumed dead. I remember that. And the last frame of that comic is Wolverine coming out of there. It's like, you had your shot, suckers. Now it's my turn. <laughs> and as some of the, the very next issue is some of the greatest Wolverine I think I've ever read where he's going through. And uh, especially at uh, one of the goons, he's like, now you got to be thinking, did he pop one claw or all three? You know, because he's got the claws yeah. against the guy. He's like, what happens if he pops the next one? You know, the dirty you better Harry, tell me. Dirty Harry likes Yeah, that. he dirty Harry's one of these guys. I'm like, yes, this is awesome. So next thing you know, Wolverine is very popular. <laughs> yeah. yeah, good stuff. Okay, well, uh, is there anything more from Marvel, Eric, that we haven't covered that you can think of? Oh, let's see. Well, we've got uh, Frank Miller on Daredevil. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, boy, yeah. And, yeah, and the Alexa saga. And, oh, yeah, very much so. I mean, back in the 70s, you know, it was definitely one of the darker Marvel books. But uh, with, with Frank Miller coming on and taking that task, uh, you know, you've got everything from Bullseye Killing Electra to the Fall from Grace storyline, you know, which, which really does affect the book even up to this day. There's still a lot that harkens back to what Miller did in those issues. Yeah. Kingpin wasn't near the great character he is now because of Frank. Exactly. And I can't remember who wrote it, but I actually have the original issues. Uh, I I was very excited to get these because I remember seeing this on a Marvel card. I would have had the Fall of the Kingpin. It was a Marvel milestone. Yes. And I actually found all issues of that series, and I collected them, and I I haven't read those in a while. But, oh, it's... It's really, really, really good because you get a lot of history of how the Kingpin became the Kingpin. And I, I saw a little bit of similarity to some of the storyline in that Daredevil series on Which Netflix. Which good. Really good. I loved that they gave some origin to the Kingpin uh, in that, and, and really fleshed out the Kingpin. And, uh, I, and I can't think of the actor's name. Oh, okay. uh, who played him? But uh, he's been in so many, done so many great things. But oh, Vincent D'Onofrio. Vincent D'Onofrio. His portrayal of the kingpin was just great because he'd go from being very, very tender when he's meeting Vanessa and stuff like that to just that scary Monster. rage. 
uh, that, oh, but, but he, 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 wow, he just brought it to life and everything. And I think that's why that series perhaps was so successful is because he had such a great kingpin. And, uh, Even as a kid, you think for a minute there that he was a poor little kid and nothing wrong. Then you yeah, see, no, you feel he bad for him with his father, but then when he kills his father, you're, you're like, whoa! You're like, oh, that monster was already in there. <laughs> yes, but especially when he's beating his father. I'm, I'm sorry, spoiler warning. When he's killing his father and he's repeating his father's words back to him, you don't let up, you keep beating until he quits moving. And you're like, oh my gosh! <laughs> Well, you know, that that was a much better depiction uh, in the Daredevil series than D'Onofrio's previous Marvel work. What was it? Uh, he was Thor. Right. That was him. Right. He Adventures, was oh, the, 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 the Adventures in Babysitting. Adventures in Babysitting. Yeah, I was about to say that. Oh, one. that Adventures one. Babysitting. But I, I, think, <laughs> I didn't realize that was him. I think he was. Yeah. It, it was there's somebody who was famous. I think it was him also who did the uh, the TV movie with the... With Hulk? Was that him it, again? I don't think it was him, but... Yeah, was I don't think that was... We'll, we'll look that up. Yeah. But I remember Vincent D'Onofrio being in Adventures in Babysitting. I forgot. Story. I didn't realize that was him all these years. Yeah. I just watched it a year ago. I had no idea that was him. <laughs> but I will say his eyes always look familiar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Of course, I, I the first thing I really remember him from was being the bug in the Egger suit. Yeah, he was <laughs> great. Well, you know, and that uh, the Men in Black series it initially started out as an independent right. book, but Marvel had the rights to that too. Yep, <laughs> snatching it up, get, buying those smaller companies in there, and of course, then Disney snatched brilliant. up Marvel. Very brilliant. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I kind of wonder because I've been hearing rumors about you know some further Men in Black movies. Is there a way that they can connect those in with Marvel Studios and maybe get them into Marvel Cinematic Universe? Wouldn't that be interesting? Because then you you had. Like the alien invasion in New York, with the Avengers fighting them off, it would be and you got more alien stuff coming. You know, it would be awesome to have the Men in Black suddenly get involved. Will Smith versus Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Like Guardians of the Galaxy. What if they came to Earth and suddenly there's you know James Tom, Tommy Jones and you know like get your busted self off of my raccoon infested world. <laughs> and you see Tommy Jones. You're not welcome here. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you having a talk, talking tree there, Stumpy? <laughs> <laughs> just just imagine the possibilities. <laughs> I would love it. We'll just say that. Yeah. But then let's see who's been putting I guess Universal's been putting those out, right? Yeah. So, uh Universal has been known to I guess kind of play ball with Marvel with the mm-hmm. uh, uh, being able to well I know Paramount definitely played ball, but Universal kind of I guess they kind of lost the rights though to Hulk. Um I think they just kind of gave up on it because they didn't do such a good job with Ang Lee. Another thing, and going back to Marvel in the '80s, another thing that they did with Hulk, they did oh, a lot. They had a, they had the Hulkbusters at the late '80s. Mm. They had the Hulkbusters, where it was kind of weird because Bruce Banner was almost in charge of the Hulkbusters at the time, <laughs> and he like, he he himself was involved with trying to get rid of the Hulk, and yet because he just wanted to be normal. And you had Rick Jones who became a Hulk. Uh, Rick Jones was the the young man that Bruce that. Banner. Basically, how Bruce rescued. Banner became Hulk was Bruce Banner saw this young man who's Rick Jones, pushed him out of the little uh, trenches, and he got hit with the gamma rays. So in during the late eighties, here Rick Jones, he became a Hulk, and uh, it, was, it was very interesting. They had fight each other even a couple wow. times. He had long hair. Was Rick, you know, it's like a, a, a lighter green Hulk with long hair with a mullet. <laughs> yeah, that's it. A mullet. <laughs> that's that's you're right. That's right on the dot. He had a mullet. Well, and speaking of the 80s, we had kind of mentioned this uh, before we, we, we started recording. The Teen Titans. Yes. Yes, DC. Yep. Yeah. Meanwhile, back on DC Planet. 
<laughs> and now this was a definite update from the Teen Titans that DC had previously put out. Uh, the The original series was all G Wiz, and this is groovy yeah, and swinging right. '60s stuff. But that's right. uh, it was like the '60s and '50s. You're right. But uh, with uh, George Perez and Marv Wolfman, um, they definitely brought the uh, X Men sensibilities with them to DC, working on Teen Titans. And they were smart enough to take some of the old characters of Wonder Girl and Robin and that kind of stuff, and they used them still, but they made them more modernized. And then yeah. you had a lot of new people. Like Cyborg was my favorite of the new characters. I love the, the Changeling. Was he one of the Changeling, from there? Yes. Well, who, uh, Beast, Boy. Beast Boy. Yeah. 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 Beast Boy had been on uh, with Doom Patrol previously. Yeah. 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 But but Changeling is what they called him mostly back then. Yeah. And, uh, and then now, Starfire. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of curious though with Starfire because I, I, yeah, she's, got, right. she's had some personality changes from my understanding because I've never really read a whole lot of DC. But uh, I kind of like the way she was presented in the Teen Titans uh, animated series where she's very kind of just sweet, kind of innocent, very nice. But when, when, when it's time to throw down, she can throw down with the best of them. Uh, from what I've seen in some of the later ones, they kind of made her this kind of gruff, a little bit warrior, but kind of um, – I want to I pick a nice child-friendly word, but she is a little bit uh, – uh, Sultry. The, what was the word here? Sultry. Sultry is a good word, Mystery, I guess. Because yeah. I've actually seen a, a, a bit of a comic where she kind of um, offers herself up to somebody and is scolding him for he's all hung up on this other girl and not her. And it's like, well, you just missed out. And But I was like, wow, this is very different from the yeah. Starfire that I really liked from the Teen Titans. Well, she was a little bit promiscuous. They had a uh, her and Robin, then, who then became Nightwing. That's when, that's yeah. when he did that during Teen Titans days. And you can see a great big collar sticking out, you know, it was real great. <laughs> but anyway, that's, they kind of had a relationship going on. So here I was, uh, preteen, reading some of the stuff here. I was like, I realized nine and then ten. Of course, I didn't understand half the stuff they were saying because I'm always a late bloomer. <laughs> and, uh, cause I'm about 15 right now, uh, emotionally speaking. Sure. But anyway, uh, uh, no, but anyway, that, that comp book, I'm like, okay, I don't know what they're talking about, but either way, <laughs> she's pretty. For an orange skin gal. <laughs> <For> orange <laughs> but so, how was she like originally? Was she more like in the cartoon? You know, I'm I'm not familiar. You know, that familiar with the characters. Most of what I'm uh, uh, am familiar with is with the uh, betrayal by Terra of the Teen Titans. Ooh. Yes, and that was that was a big storyline. I remember in the cartoon, I really it was good in stuff. the '80s, and I can't remember it all because it's been so long, and I wasn't much of a reader back then, even, but. You had uh, her, and then you also had Raven, mm-hmm. and you had Jericho. And I can only remember that Jericho was this dude with a blonde afro and big uh, sideburns that came down near past his cheeks nearly. And uh, he wore like these white puffy arms. So he looked like he should have been on the, the uh, show Dungeons & Dragons, and he had this purple vest-looking thing. But he ended up being a villain. And he, like, he, turned, he turned on the team, I remember. And that, I was like, no, he's a friend, and... Friends don't hurt friends, and but you know, and then when you become teenagers, like, oh yes, yeah, sometimes they do. Sometimes other, I can picture Chris Jericho dressed this way too. Oh, <laughs> I wonder why. The name. I wonder if that's where he got it. Uh, Jericho. <laughs> he was well, just you, breaking down the walls. Well, you do know who Jericho's father is, don't you? No, I can't remember. It seems to me like. No, it's like Jericho's name. Uh, he was supposed to be uh, was it supposed to be Slade's. Yes. yes. Oh, okay. We're talking about the character again. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Right. Slade Wilson. I, I know like Chris Jericho's father is a big hockey player, but okay. But yeah. So Jericho in the comics, he was yeah, he was Slade's son. Yeah. 
Yeah. The son of Deathstroke. And that's where he came not in. Not familiar. Dude. Slade is better known as Deathstroke. Yeah. The Terminator. Yeah. Yes, I forgot. He, he was called the Terminator for a little while. The and Deathstroke, Deathstroke the Terminator. Yeah. And to me, Deadpool is... Uh, Deadpool, I think, is a little bit of a copy of Deathstroke to me. Maybe it's because they look similar. I don't, to be honest, I don't know. I think that Deathstroke was first. Yes, I Deathstroke was first, but 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 every time I've seen Deadpool and I look at Deathstroke, I'm like, yeah, it looks like Deadpool. They kind of were inspired by Deathstroke a little bit, except for they gave him a sense of humor. There's several characters like that through both universes. I mean, yeah, you got, it's uh, Dark Side and Thanos have because yeah, they're, by, yeah, Dark they're, they're by, by the same guy too. Yeah. Right? Well, um, you know, both uh, Rob Liefeld and uh, Fabian. Nick Cieza, I'm probably slaughtering his name. They've yeah. both confirmed that Deadpool uh, eventually was a parody of Deathstroke. Ah, see, yeah, even down, even down to the name, you got Slade Wilson as Deathstroke, Wade Wilson as Deadpool, the Merc with a mouth. Yeah. Wow. Huh. It'd be awesome to see a crossover comic of them too. That'd be kind of fun. <laughs> And uh, I, I really did though. And speaking of going back to Arrow again, the, their portrayal of Deathstroke. And the second season of Arrow was flipping awesome, uh-huh. I gotta say. <laughs> but still, my, my favorite uh, full motion version of uh, Slade Deathstroke was the um, oh, what that game. Now I forgot what it was called. Oh, I have it over there. Injustice. That's what mm-hmm. Injustice, the fighting game. They, they they'd have like before a fight with Deathstroke, he's like putting swords in place and all these different guns. Just has all this gear when he's ready to fight you. And he's a great character on that because at any second he can whip a gun out, shoot your shoot whoever's fighting, or whip out a sword or whatever. He's just got so much gear, and I think that's where I really was seeing the similarities to Deadpool because Deadpool's the same way. You know, he's what? got as many guns and as many swords as he could possibly carry, and he'll use it any of it. Well, when Deathstroke was going strong and they called him the Terminator, uh, that was only like a year or so, or maybe two after the Terminator came out, the movie The Terminator mm, yeah. with Arnold, which. Makes me think that they probably did that on purpose just because it was so popular at the time. Yeah. It was on videotape. <laughs> you know, you could rent it. <laughs> yes. Yeah, a videotape? What's that? <laughs> VCR? That's unheard of. Yeah, that's right. Oh, we want to get into all that. Yeah, you, you know, anyone following my, my regular Facebook page will uh, will have seen some fun conversations I've had when I mentioned uh, VCR. Marvel versus DC, Beta versus VHS. We'll get into that. <laughs> Cobra versus Pepsi. <laughs> Cobra versus G.I. Joe. Oh, no, wait a minute. Right. Uh, there you go. No, um, no, no, that would be more Transformers versus GoBots. There you go. Oh, yeah. you know, I still like the GoBots, though. Oh, it was fun. I like the GoBots. Whole other yeah. subject, yeah. Whole other topic, which we'll I'll, we'll have to get into that at one of these days. Really, the GoBots. Because I did I did enjoy me some GoBots. Real metal. <laughs> <laughs> a lot smaller too. Mm-hmm. Cheaper. You could actually buy them for about the price of a Hot Wheel. But anyways, yeah, we're, we're way off. Um, well, another another fun thing. Just while we're talking about outside characters, is Marvel getting to. Uh, because uh, I believe it was Marvel. They let's see, they got the Transformers and GI Joe. They were able to work those properties. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, if you Star were watching, Wars. yeah, the Star Wars comics. Of course, that started in the seventies. I don't. I don't remember how long the Star Wars comics. Well, ran. in the eighties, the one I remember the most that I read, God only knows how many times, and that was the one where Boba Fett crawls out of the the pit. Oh, hey, the Sylar pit, and and he crawls out and he's fighting Han Solo and Princess Leia uh, up on top of a, the sand. Dunes, what do they call them? The things that Jawas were in. Uh, Sandcrawler. Sandcrawler. They're fighting on top of that, and they're coming to the pit again. And 
Han and Leia are able to jump off and get out of there, but Boba Fett goes down with it and it gets swallowed up again. Oh, yeah, wow. I remember that. I read that only, That's only cool. like someone God knows how many times. <laughs> oh, they've re-released those uh, as collections now. I would really like to get it. Now, I actually do have uh, at a comic convention that was just a room full of comics. Uh, uh, I did actually get some of the first Star Wars comics where they were adapting the first film. They're not in very good condition, so I, I got them cheap. I actually have the reprint of those when Dark Horse was able to do it. Oh, and wow. I gave them to my nephew recently. Hopefully, he won't destroy them. But the yeah. truth is, I felt like I had to simply because they saw the films for the very first time. They're so excited. And I thought, you know. <laughs> Just had to share the yeah, love. That's right. You gave them a lot of toys and things. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, yeah, I actually even have a uh, an Indiana Jones Marvel comic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I have a couple because I've got a film adaption uh, somewhere that I think I think something spilled on it. Uh, but me- but I do have a yeah I know it's terrible. No no. But meanwhile DC was covering great things like V the Final Battle. Oh <laughs> V was very popular. Yeah at the I'm time. just saying so, yeah, they, you know, they, they really did. I liked it. I think I do have a regular Indiana Jones comic that was like Further Adventures of Indiana Jones uh, somewhere. They both did a yeah. lot of that back then. Even in the seventies you had Logan's Run for I believe it was Marvel. I could be mm-hmm. wrong about that. Yeah that's right. Yeah, so yeah, all sorts of those kinds of things. I think Buck Rogers, I remember seeing a Buck comic. Rogers, I don't remember yeah. who was doing it, but. They had a lot of stuff like that back then. It was kind of fun. Yeah. Star Trek. Star Trek comics, had, yeah. Uh, when I was, had been with both. At one time I was with Marvel originally, and then they went and they was with DC, and then went back to Marvel, and then back to DC, and they, they've been all over the place. Didn't they once cross the X-Men with Star Trek? Yeah. Yeah. I have it. Well, I'd 90s. like to read that. <laughs> that I'll have to find it for you. Because <laughs> <laughs> that would be the most bizarre thing. Well, it is. You got Captain Kirk and Cyclops, and you know, it's just bizarre. <laughs> Wolverine talking to Spock, you know. <laughs> uh, but also, I do recall like Marvel having a license for Rainbow Bright, so they were trying to get girls to start reading. Uh, oh, they also. I remember the license they had for Alf as well. They, that was that was those were called Star Comics. They were yeah, they, were, yeah. And yeah. they had He Man, uh, the Thundercats. They had the Power Pack. I remember this. The, yeah, they had Ewoks and yeah. droids because those were two cartoons back in the day. Yeah. And they mm-hmm. had, uh, um, oh, it seems like Strawberry Shortcake was one of them. They had yeah. Pound Puppies. They had a whole bunch of these types of things, you know. F- they were fun for kids. And it's amazing they didn't I still have, have some. any, <laughs> uh, like, WWF comics that I'm aware Ooh. of. Because they actually, if you watch the old WWF, you'd actually see a uh, copywriter of Marvel. Marvel had gotten involved with it. What, what had happened with that was, uh, back then, and I'm pretty sure because of Hulk Hogan, who, whose name was the Hulk, yeah. uh, pretty sure at the time they may have, sometimes they would call him Incredible Hulk Hogan. So I'm sure there's some kind of lawsuit involved with that. Mm, but that okay. being said, they used to sell these ice cream bars, <laughs> and the the illustrations on it was from Marvel Comics. It was they were comic book really? drawings of them for a long time. Yeah, I didn't know that they were the ones. I had a Coco Beware cool. one once when I went to see uh, uh, Hacksaw Jim Duggan wrestle. I got to see I, I got the Coco Beware ice cream bar. You know, <laughs> and yet we never got that CM Punk ice cream bar. No, never got it. <laughs> <laughs> in reality, they actually had made one at one time uh, before back in the early millennium when he was just starting off. They had made one of him. At one oh, time. cool. Yeah, so anyway. <laughs> That is Marvel Comics was that did and you could even back then order trading card not trading cards playing cards that had those illustrations on them and you you know you had Macho Man Hogan you had Andre and Elizabeth but it was all Marvel Marvel cool. was involved huh. good stuff yeah. they should have had a comic strip that would have been fun as as cartoony as all this stuff was that and, and been by the really way cool. is that'd yeah. be perfect <laughs> yeah 
So while Marvel had all kinds of different television things going on also at the time, because you had an Incredible Hulk series and a series of TV movies, DC really, I think, had the movie spread well dominated in the 80s. Except for Howard the Duck. Well, (laughs) there you go. Uh, Produced even by George Lucas, you know. But, uh, but, you know, DC had all those Superman movies, even if they did start going kind of downhill. Yeah. And then finally, you know, ending the 80s, DC really just killed everything. (laughs) Oh, Swamp Batman. Thing. Yeah, Swamp, Swamp Thing movies, oh, yeah. yeah. But Batman, 1989's Batman, got, completely changed my perspective of Batman because I was used to the 60s series, and I, and I loved the 60s series. And then suddenly when I first saw the first commercial for the the Tim Burton Batman, I was like, what is this? This is not the Batman I was familiar with. Because unfortunately I hadn't gotten to read a whole lot of comics in the 80s because I was a little kid with no money. Well, that being said, too, and they weren't dark or anything, but in the early, early, early 80s, it was kind of bizarre. The late seventies, early eighties, you had uh, Hanna Barbera making uh, cartoons of Batman and Superman, but you also had Filmation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Filmation Superman. And so you had two different things, and the, the same kind of thing happened with Marvel, where they were having different companies making it. You know, so you have a lot of great com- cartoons, like you know, Spider Man, his Amazing Friends, and all that. Love it. And uh, yeah, that's where I was, where I first saw Iceman. Yep. And all that. And of course, Firestar. Firestar. That's that was the beginning from. of Firestar, yeah. yeah. So you had all those great cartoons. I say great. I watch them now. They're not great, but I still love them. I still love it. I've been, <laughs> I've been watching the Amazing Friends here over you know overnight when I'm you know, settling in to go to bed. I've been watching that fun here lately. Stuff. It's, like I said, not great cartoons, animation, but fun. A lot of fun. A lot of fun. Although there was times when I was a kid, I wondered if Firestar was supposed to be naked or something because you couldn't tell she was wearing anything because her costume was just like this. There were, you could barely you could see that there was a collar if you looked close enough. But it looked like she was wearing gloves and boots, but she was just like, I thought maybe she was, when she was doing her, her big transformation, she was turning herself yellow or something. Cause you know, her, but, but it was so close to skin color that I was like, is she naked? Well, of course you'd think that young man. I was five or six now, or whatever. Now with that being said, there was fraught, uh, there was fire with the Justice League International where, yeah, I think you're a little bit closer to the mark on that one. Really? So there was a talking about part. another eighty. Talking about another eighty series. Um, yeah, I, I, I believe Fire didn't have um, was clothing optional. Mm. Maybe or is this a male or a female? Female. Ah, so maybe her clothes burned off. Uh, yeah, turned to flames. Huh. <laughs> Lower the flame off and suddenly, whoops! <laughs> but uh, you know, ju- ju- the the Giffen. Justice League from the 80s was hilarious. You know, you had uh, you, Guy Gardner getting decked with one punch by bat. Yes. You had Booster Gold and Blue Beetle off trying some quick get-rich scheme. I love those two. <laughs> they're so and, much fun. They, they, to me, basically, they're basically what you would have got when you had, and go back to wrestling for a minute, Edge yeah, yeah. and Christian. <laughs> they, they've been very good as uh, Booster Gold and Blue Beetle of those days. They're always kind of uh, getting involved and getting themselves in trouble. But they're a lot of fun. Egotistical, but fun. <laughs> so uh, one of the other big things going on in the 80s was uh, was Jason Todd, the new Robin. Or the second Robin, I guess. Not really the new one, but the second Robin. I'm oh, yeah, definitely. Here. And, and uh, you know, Jason was the kind of... Uh, well, he was stealing the hubcaps off of the Batmobile is how Batman discovered him. Mm-hmm. That's right. <laughs> and, of course, nobody liked him. <laughs> That's right. He was he was kind of an obnoxious, uh, hard-headed kid that just could not uh, seem to get the point. And so 
what had happened was that DC decided decided to allow the viewers, if you will, the readers, yeah. to vote whether they wanted him or not. And we were saying that this is kind of like what was going on with Saturday Night Live, where you could vote if you wanted Andy Kaufman or whoever to be fired. It was, it was before the internet days and before the fans could be involved. So this was a, a kind of big thing. The fans got to decide. And they decided to out him. They decided to get rid yeah, of him. Got rid of him. Now, we should also mention that the original Robin, Dick Grayson, mm-hmm. he had, of course, become part of the Teen Titans, was leading the team, and eventually became Nightwing. But he is now separated from Robin. And Batman didn't quite seem the same without a Robin. Although... You did have in the mid '80s uh, Frank Miller, who wrote uh, what the Dark Knight Returns, yes, uh, stuff fu- like that. It was supposed to be a futuristic and Batman Year One uh-huh. and stuff. Or he was writing a Batman without Robin, and uh, and I guess still made that concept popular, Batman on his own. But there's just something about Batman. Well, yeah, because even even in Dark Knight Returns, there was a Robin, it was right. a female Robin had a little, in the future. Had a girl. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. And, and and Dark Knight Returns came after the death of Robin. There's a lot of callbacks to Jason. Oh, not yeah. having been killed. Yeah. And, uh, well, and that, ha- Jason has been depicted being killed in, in other medias other than the comics where he's being beaten with a crowbar by the Joker. Yeah, that was in the comics. Uh, yeah. And every stroke of that crowbar was another fan saying, die, Jason, die, really. But, but, uh, I remember the, uh, I think it was just simply called The Red Hood. It was a DC animated, uh, straight to DVD, uh, where it actually had, where Jason Todd had survived and Batman had had this guilt, though, of, uh, being unable to save Jason and like the building he was in even blew up and everything. And then suddenly there's this red hood character and it turns out it was, it's Jason Todd and he's, he's alive. Well, we know who the original red hood was, right? The Joker. That's right. That's, right. That's how whatever Joker his name Joker. was, yeah. whatever his name was before, we don't know, but he was the red. We'll hood. say Jack Napier just for 89. Reasons. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but, uh, Oh, and spoiler warning, uh, the latest incarnation of Jason Todd, which I could be wrong about this, but I've been playing the Batman Arkham Knight game. And, uh, when the Arkham Knight first appears, you know, he's referring to Batman as old man and he knows how all of Batman's moves, how the way he thinks he knows everything about Batman. And it makes me think that's got to be Jason Todd. Now, I could be completely wrong, and I hope I didn't spoil anything in the game story for anybody. But uh, I, I'm kind of exciting to see the character coming back and being used as a villain in this game. And I'm looking forward to knocking the daylights out of him because he's been a real pain in the neck in this game. Well, that, <laughs> if he is a villain, if it's him and all that, it would fit to the personality he always pretty much had. Because Batman did try to stop him from going in and get involved, but he wouldn't listen. Yeah. Hard-headed. Hard-headed. <laughs> And so then, uh, let's see. Uh, was it in the nineties though? That, uh, that uh, 1990 exactly. 1990. Well, we'll we'll pick up on that one for the the third Robin, mm-hmm. Tim, who has stuck around. Uh, Timothy Drake. Tim Drake. Good old Tim Drake. Red which, Robin. Yeah. Now he's the Red Robin because <laughs> oh. well, although Damian Wayne, I guess, is dead now. I, I don't. Oh no, da- Damian's out. back. The what? Damien is back. Damien oh. is back. I never liked Damien. He's he's the new Jason Todd. He needs to die. Hey, be careful though. That's Bruce's <laughs> son. You're talking that's Bruce, about. Yeah, Bruce and Talia had a son who the Bruce didn't know about. And yeah, but Damien that's, that's was his that name. Is, <laughs> yeah, Damien was his name. Well, I'll, I'll tell you. I've uh, I've been I've been reading. That he's got his own series right now. Robin, uh, son of Batman, huh. and he's on a uh, quest to redeem himself. Wow, that might be so, good. They, you know, yeah, only a couple are... issues are out, but uh, yeah, it's it's been good so far. It'll be interesting to see where that goes. Yeah. But uh, anyhow, uh, you know, even Damien's storyline begins back in the eighties. Yeah. With that story with Bruce and Talia, and yeah, I can't. Son of the Demon. Son yeah, of the Demon. Yeah, that's it. 
Yeah, because then, then Raz Al Ghul wanted them, or Ra's al Ghul. I keep getting it both ways. Uh, but then, <laughs> then he wanted them to have an heir. He wanted him with Tally, and he wanted Bruce to be the new head of uh, the League of Assassins, or League exactly. of Shadows, whichever you prefer on that one. So And so he was trying to get him and Talia married, if I remember everything. That's Just, right. No offense, Arrow fans, but the, but it was not Oliver Queen. That's a ripoff of, the, of well, Bruce Wayne's I think that's <laughs> I think that's why in Arrow you have, what, Nyssa? Is her, or is that the actress's name? No, I think it is the character's name. Actually, Nyssa is another of Rachel Ghoul's daughters. Oh. Yeah, but I figure that's why she's being used in Arrow and you're not hearing about Talia. Yeah, I haven't heard that name yet. Yeah. Although that would be kind of cool if she did make an appearance. But yeah, I was kind of good to maybe keep a different daughter around. So, <laughs> well, well, after that death scene in uh, the Dark Knight uh, Returns, uh, may- maybe not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I only saw yeah. that movie one time, and I do have a have a Blu-ray of it, but I haven't sat and watched it because that boy is that long and and drawn out. <laughs> I just remember when when she popped up and it turned out that was Talia. I was like, yeah, I kind of saw that coming, but uh, yeah. I, I didn't expect her to be so villainous. Well, now uh, I, I know we're getting a little bit short on time here, but I, I don't think that we can really talk about uh, comics in the '80s without at least mentioning those four Renaissance masters: Leonardo, Donatello, uh-huh. Raphael, and Michelangelo. Yeah, we'll branch out of the DC Marvel world, sure. <laughs> That's <laughs> right. Yeah, we used to call these DC Marvel 101 and everything, but yeah, talking comics, I mean, that, well, fact that is, changed is everything. They, the fact is, is this goes back to the Frank Miller Daredevil. There's an awful lot of stuff in Turtles that war because those guys were big fans of Frank Miller's Daredevil. Yeah, and if you read the original comics, it is very dark, very gritty, I mean, not kid-friendly. Oh, yeah. I mean, Splinter, even. Yeah. <laughs> You know he's he's taking from the character stick. Yeah, he and, is. And so, as so the foot soldiers was because the hand yeah. was involved with the daredevil. So, so I mean, there's a lot of neat little wink winks. Yep, wink wink nudge nudge, saying them all. We got four titles. That's it. So, but yeah, a complete uh, 360. That one put them on television and made them kid friendly, and uh, just suddenly huge. Especially when that movie, the movie of course, was in 1990, and that really got the turtles. Really big then. Everything was cowbunga so, pizza and all uh-huh. that. But we'll definitely talk about the 90s next time around. There's just a lot to get into the 90s. And the 90s is when I also started to have a little bit of money where I could buy my own comics and I didn't have to borrow so much anymore. <laughs> well, what really kind of helped me in the 80s and the early 90s before I got a job and all that, one thing that really helped me was that there was a, a wonderful little comic book shop called the Rat Pack. And they would sell old comics for like 45 cents if that. Wow. And sometimes it started more like that in the 90s. Earlier, it was like a quarter or so as a, as a young kid. Even though sometimes it'd be a year or two out of it, it didn't matter to me. I could go with a dollar and buy sometimes four or five comics, depending on how old it was. I mean, it was something I could get for a dime. Wow. Mm-hmm. So things like that kind of helped me with, with to know what's up in the so important comic book world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This, this well, makes me want to go and track down more 80s comics, though. I still got a lot. Because <laughs> most of well, them, I got a lot of 90s. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll tell you, shout out uh, here in Arizona, Bookman's uh, in Phoenix and in Tucson and in, uh, uh, and now I'm blanking out on the name, but also up north. Uh, they sell old comic books for 50 cents a piece, and that's where I've got most of my collection as awesome. well. That's great. Do they have an online store? Uh, they've got an online presence, but I don't think they have a store. Because if I find a good, you know, online store that has a lot of those old stuff and is willing to sell it for fifty cents, I'd be happy. Because I'm, I'm looking to flesh out for one my Spider-Man collection and make sure I have everything from the '90s. 
Well, I've I got hate. a pretty good chunk, but I want to get more of it, and then I want to start digging into the eighties and uh, and. I want to. I need to start picking up some more well, Batman. But I ain't please got no don't money. hate me, folks. Please don't hate me. A year ago, when I was moving, I gave away so many comics. Some from the '80s, some of the '90s. I gave away hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of issues. But I still I have a bunch. I still have a bunch. Yeah, <laughs> I got some of them. I need to start putting more stuff away. I got comics that are branching out on the bookshelves and everywhere around here. <laughs> Well, definitely the the '90s are an interesting thing, and it'll be fun to you know participate and hear that discussion because you've got Image, you've got the bankruptcy of Marvel, you've got Death of Superman, you've got Nightfall, you've got uh, uh, all of the Green Lantern stuff, and you've got the Spider Clone Saga. Yeah, and you even have the uh, the supposed death of Spider Man. In fact, I want to make a salute to a company that, to be honest, if it weren't for them, I don't think we would have had any, hardly any superhero stuff in the '80s. And that was Hanna Barbera. There you go. Hanna Barbera not only covered yep. the Super Friends, but they covered Marvel ca- cartoons. They even yeah. had X Men one time shot. Uh, yeah, it was on the Pride time of, of Spider Man and all that stuff. So they did. Well, Actually, the X Men I think was still through the Marvel Animation Studios. So I have to yeah. look at that. Bigger. But 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 they used to show them with the Hanna Barbera right. stuff they of, of Pawpaw Bears and all that. Pawpaw Bears. That's right. So, so yeah. But yeah, we'll we'll bring this back around uh, here to talk about the '90s and uh, yeah. So far, I guess neither one of you really have a complete website thing. But if you wanted to follow Eric on Twitter, I think you said you were on Twitter. Yep, I'm on there as E double W. That's E D O U B L E D U B Y A, which is also his PlayStation name, by the way. <laughs> oh yeah, yep, yep. And if anybody wants to find me on PlayStation Network, that's Glueband77. G L U B A N D seven seven, but yeah, because I'm on the PlayStation Network and everything. And here lately, I have been uh, broadcasting on Twitch under Neverland Podcast. Me playing the Batman game. Uh, I po- I was streaming actually today. I was trying to solve some of those Riddler Riddler riddles and find some trophies. So hey, if you're if you're a bit of a gamer and want to see what in the world I'm doing, come and check it out. <laughs> I'm still working on getting I guess the full channel set up, but yeah. Alrighty, but we will adjourn until next time. But thanks for coming on here, Eric. And, and don't Phil. worry, no problem. To us, it's always the 80s, always the 90s, because we're going to go back to the past. <laughs> <laughs> and and look toward the future, Marty. That's right. <laughs> oh, this is heavy. That's right. Great Scott. <laughs> Disney music fans, the time has come. It's the Neverland Battle of the Disney Bands. Your vote will determine this year's top five Disney songs. Vote now at poll.neverlandpodcast.com. That's P-O-L-L.neverlandpodcast.com. And listen to the Neverland Podcast to see which Disney band rises above the competition. Okay, it is time for an update for the Neverland Battle of the Disney Bands. Uh, some major things happened over the course of the last three weeks. Uh, you know, there was issues with the judges and uh, some of the bands that were not doing so well. They uh, kind of turned on each other. There was a little bit of, you know, this is what happens. It's, this is rock and roll. This is what happens in a band. You know, they there's some infighting and sometimes the egos kind of clash with each other. Uh, but here's what has happened. Uh, I Won't Say I Am In Love has been fired from the Renaissance Band. Uh, and they've been replaced by a newcomer. The Circle of Life has come in to fill in with vocals. I mean, some amazing vocals. 
Uh, I really didn't expect I Won't Say I'm In Love to have been replaced. I uh, I thought there were some really good vocals coming from that from them, but... Uh, well, you know, sometimes someone who can uh, do that African chant, I guess, is what you need. So uh, we'll see what happens as they are now entering into round five of the competition. Also, the silly song has spontaneously combusted. That's kind of what drummers do if you're familiar with Spinal Tap. You know, their drummers, uh, they have a problem with drummers spontaneously combusting. I, I, I don't know if it's just an effect of, you know, drumming for long periods of time. It has a weird effect on the body, and next thing you know, boof, you know, you're gone. But, uh... I don't know, tensions were kind of high, so maybe that had something to do with it. But they have been replaced by the Unbirthday song. And there's some crazy going on with them. And so uh, it's really up to the game, I think, for the classic animation band. Uh, so, uh, of course, in there, now re-entering into competition. We're ready for round five with them as well. And the third thing that happened over the last three weeks, Strange Things has just flat out quit Pixar Band. Got tired of, you know, playing guitar with him. I, I, I think there was a difference of opinion between him and the bassist. Uh, something, I don't know. But they've been already replaced by Real God. Bringing a little bit of a southern rock kind of feel to things. Uh, so picking up the pace there with Pixar, uh, I, I expect a, a whole new sound coming around. Um, so, yeah, they're also right now entered in in round five and round five has begun so make sure you're going to poll.neverlandpodcast.com and voting because it's only going to last for a week because i'm not expecting any more crazy stuff to happen i don't think Uh, so for the next week these bands will be in competition go and see who these new new lineups with these new musicians in there is taking on this week and vote for your favorites Well, I'd say that's going to do it for this week's edition of the Neverland Podcast. Uh, We've had a pretty good full episode here. I don't really have time for any shout-outs, but uh, we do have some new members to the Facebook group, which I do want to remind you that we do have a Facebook like page and a group. If you simply go onto Facebook and look for Neverland Podcast, you'll find us. You'll also find links for those at NeverlandPodcast.com. Don't forget that you can email us at podcast at NeverlandPodcast.com, and don't forget to leave a voicemail at 816 226-6492. You're going to hear all that information again from the automated voice. I also want to remind you to donate to us from Patreon, uh, and half of what you donate does go to Give Kids the World. It's very important to get those donations because it does help this keep going because, you know, I'm you know, it, I do incur an expense, although I love giving this to you for free and I love doing this. It does really help me out, and I really do appreciate it. Also, on the far right on NeverlandPodcast.com, you will see a link for a shop where I have some t-shirts and mugs and things available. Uh, I am looking for maybe some alternative places to uh, have these shirts and things made that maybe I can cut the costs down. Uh, I get very little of those sales. Um but yeah, the, the merchandise is available, and I appreciate everybody who goes and buys those t-shirts, and I hope you enjoy them. Uh, so, But uh, remind you, of course, to come back next week and to keep a pixie in your pocket, and by that, of course, I mean that young, good at heart, young at heart, good attitude that will help you get through your week, and remember to share a little pixie dust with somebody around you. All right, bye now, and God bless. Thank you for listening to the Neverland Podcast. Please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes, Stitcher, and Blueberry. We love to hear from you on 
twitter.com slash neverlandpcast and facebook.com slash neverlandpodcast leave us a voicemail at 816-226-6492 and send email to podcast at neverlandpodcast.com join us next week and we'll once again go to disney and beyond the Neverland Podcast is copyright glue band productions and all original content belongs to the same. Other content is copyright of their respective creators and is used under Creative Commons license. <laughs> <laughs>